You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series, Food for Thought, in which we unpack some of the big ideas about food and food systems in order to raise the conversation level and to stimulate lively discussions to find the way forward together. Today, we'll discuss family farming, building community connections, and sustainability with Tom Heeman, farmer and owner of Heeman's Berry Farm and All Season Market. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I couldn't be more excited. I, I love the berries. I buy them as long as I can get them and have been out to the farm. So it's it's a real pleasure to have you here. Tom, let's start with Hemans. How long have you and your family been farming in the region and how did you get started? Well, the um, the family farm here on Nazari Road, uh, it's been going for almost 60 years. It started in uh, 1963. On both sides of my family, we've been farming for quite a bit longer than that when my grandparents bill and susan came as immigrants they started work as farmhands blocking sugar beets down in uh blenheim in kent county they were on the land as soon as they were in the country and then they um, went out east with to see some family and they were on a horse farm there and then they came back and um uh, on my mom's side they've They've farmed in um, Perth County, Wellington County, and then finally in Huron. Kind of work here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> they did it all. So a really long history in this region and in Canada, which is fantastic, Tom. And when you don't hear the word sugar beet very often, but I actually <laughs> know from my dad who would talk about, you know, he never wanted to eat sugar he bought from the uh, grocery store because he missed the sugar beets. He grew up on sugar beet sugar. So that's a real um, idea from the past. And so fantastic that your family has been here. Hard workers, done a range of things. So it's coming up almost 60 years then your family's been here and a big celebration next year, which is wonderful. So what kind of products has Hemans offered through the years and what do you offer now? We offer quite a few products. Um, of course, we started with uh, strawberries. Um, the farm had strawberries when my grandparents bought it, and um, there was a bit of a push in the 70s to grow uh, fruits again. So I think that's kind of why they inherited that patch. Uh, they set up a greenhouse because my grandmother's family grew uh, cut flowers in Holland. Uh, my grandpa Bill, his family's dream was always to go back into farming so it, it kind of skipped one generation um, through the Great Depression they lost the farm but uh, in Canada he was able to get back to it and so they tried lots of things even they tried growing something called endive which is a Dutch vegetable so they learned a little bit about cultural preferences for food they tried greenhouse tomatoes when the OPEC oil crisis hit that made the economics of uh, growing tomatoes not that favorable and so they kind of switched and they relied on their community. There's uh, was a number of other Dutch greenhouse growers at that time, and they were having some luck growing bedding plants. So grandpa learned how to do that along with grandma and uh, the family. <laughs> We've been doing bedding plants um, pretty much from the 70s on. Uh, in the late 90s, my, my parents, they planted raspberries. Uh, they did sweet corn. 
we I remember planting or transplanting pumpkins and planting pumpkin seeds. So we kind of did a lot of the different um, crops are are typical for Ontario. And then uh, in the early 2000s, we started growing day neutral or ever bearing strawberries. And so we started to focus more on strawberries and we specialized in the berries. Um, we also grow corn, soybeans, uh, wheat, and we sell the corn stalks for Halloween and we bale the straw um, for, for porch packages as well. Wonderful. Well, that's so great, you know, and, and it's really endearing to hear a family's history, you know, of loss um, in the depression, not being able to stay on the farm, but uh, fire inside to go back to it, opportunity presenting itself in a very unexpected way. Uh, but also the evolution of, you know, in the 70s, people wanted this and then it wasn't popular. Then the 90s brought new ideas. And now here we are. And just the range of um, knowledge to be able to produce what you do and talking about crop rotation, thinking seven years out. But one of the things out of your response, it reminded me, I've been to Hemans. I absolutely love going and it's a real destination. You know, the community looks forward, not just to berry season, but to going to humans. And you've got year round activities that really build community and create a place for families to go and just have a lot of fun and um, create sort of seasonal experiences that they look forward to. How did you develop this model for your farm? We always try and listen to our customers. We get a lot of questions, the requests for things. Then uh, we we try to do more of that. Really for us, the challenge of answering some of the issues of being a, a seasonal business and all agriculture is seasonal in various degrees. We were we were blessed with that early combination of strawberries and flowers or bedding plants. By having the strawberries uh, following the bedding plant market, we were able to extend our sales window for, for flowers, whereas that was a bit of a synergy. By adding raspberries, we extended that even further. So it's been an evolution of, of just complementary crops. And then I think what makes it a place for community is that um, we we find in local, you have to have something that people want. It has to be different. It has to be special. And so that's where we try and grow a sweeter berry, more flavorful than what you can buy from an import. Um, with our mums, we want them to be big and full. Yeah, just bringing a big splash of color into people's days. So I think that we'll... We've absorbed a lot of things that are culturally relevant. And even when we added bees and honey, um, I was very interested in seeing the clientele who, who were in, into it. And it, it, was, it would seem to be everybody. And you, you think about it and there's bees kept all around the world. And honey seems to have a really uh, powerful place in a lot of cultures and a lot of cooking. So it's just kind of those little things were... A lot of the plants and produce that we have are either uniquely celebrated in North America or we have gotten from other parts of the world. And, and therefore, we're working with those cultural elements to, to provide a, a special experience and ultimately a destination. And I think you do an amazing job of that. And also this experience, you'd mentioned experience a few times and um, Hemans is a destination, but whether you call in or visit the farm or uh, are greeted uh, by someone, they're a day maker. We often hear in organizations, someone's a team member, someone's a partner. There's a different name for the people that are, are working in customer service, but at Hemans, they're day makers. What's a day maker and where did this idea come from? 
Well, uh, being a daymaker encapsulates the idea that uh, when you come to Hemans, we want our staff to be able to make your day and, and that it was the highlight of, uh, of your day. And um, I think we all go through ups and downs throughout the week and, and through the day, and we, we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're memorable in a good way. That's our goal is to, to strive to that level. And, Wonderful. And it just goes so well together. And I think that that goal of being a day maker, at least in my experience, is really well achieved. So that leads me to my next question, Tom, is there's so many days made at Hemans and so many people looking forward to uh, having their seasonal experiences throughout the season, fall, berry picking, whatever it may be. What's one of your most rewarding moments that you've had in farming at Hemans? It's been a lot. Um, I think when we planted our pollinator garden, that was a really rewarding day because I had been researching uh, pollinator species for a long time. That was the passion. So to be able to do that on our farm was, was particularly rewarding. The first day we did our cider or sold our cider, that was amazing. And just seeing the community response to something that was a little bit out on a limb for us. Yeah, like uh, a lot of days this past year were good just because we didn't have a lot of rain. <laughs> I like days without rain. <laughs> Especially the berries. I think, yeah. you know, berries are, they're, they're definitely like the sun. So. Oh, I, sorry. One more. When I asked, when I proposed to my wife on Canada today, that was a good day. Was it in the berry patch? It was in the berry patch. Oh my gosh. How delightful. You know what, Tom, this is what the world really is all about. You know, there's all kinds of things going on, but when you hear these just beautiful stories from the farm and, you know what people are actually doing in their everyday life and, and just celebrating the quality of rural life and, and life in general. It's really wonderful. So uh, congratulations to you and your wife. Uh, I'll always think of you now on Canada Day. That's Thank yeah. you for sharing that and for all the happy memories that are yet to come uh, farming at Hemans. After the break, we'll talk about sustainability and the future of family farming with Tom Heman, farmer and owner of Heman's Berry Farm and All Season Market. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. We're speaking with Tom Heyman, farmer and owner of Heyman's Berry Farm and All Season Market about sustainability and the future of family farming. Tom, sustainability is on the top of everyone's minds these days. And what kind of sustainability initiatives are you doing at Hemans? I think when you have to talk about sustainability, it's important to define it. And we definitely look at the triple bottom line sustainability, socially sustainable, financially sustainable, and environmentally sustainable. Environmentally, we've installed uh, solar panels on some of our storage barns. Uh, we just recently put in electrical vehicle charging stations. We we grow in a semi-hydroponic manner, which means that we reclaim and uh, reuse our water. We recycled and reused um, the plastic containers that a lot of plants were sold in. Strawberries, we used a recyclable plastic picking container. And what's better than recycling is reusing them. And we do still uh, take those back and we'll, we'll wash them and sanitize them and get them ready for the field again. We make sure that we scout our fields, only target what, what we need to when we are doing crop protection. 
and uh, yeah, we use the force of millions of tiny little uh, insects to uh, eat the um, the pests. And and part of that has been changing how our fields and making sure that we have an environment for pollinators. Yeah, and, and like for social sustainability, like we we believe in being active members in our community, so we support a number of causes, uh, health, uh, mental health, and more recently, um, homelessness been um, been some priorities for us. So we have our cheer sign where we donate various causes and, and this year it's for, for youth homelessness. We are a cost of living employer as well. So that's, that's something that you need to have people who are passionate to put in put in the, the work. I think that we have to be competitive uh, in in making sure that we're we're getting the talent that we need to keep a full force of daymakers and um, they're conscious of the values of the companies where they work. Yeah, it's right. People are looking for more than um, just a, an income. They want to be aligned to the values of the firm. They want to know what the corporate social responsibility plan is. They want to know not just what environmental sustainability is occurring, but the social sustainability. And thank you for adding that in, Tom, that we often think, and it's really important, we've got to watch the environment. We've got to support initiatives and, and farmers and, and organizations that are doing something about it. But we can overlook the social sustainability. And you had mentioned the homelessness and the cheer program program and the other things that you're doing in the community, which really is um, a whole concept of a way of life that you're running the farm, you know, working with the daymakers and, the, you know, what it means to the community, listening to the community, giving back to the community. It really is um, a fantastic model. So I'm wondering, Tom, what you think, what are some of the new things that are going to come up in the future of berries and other products that you grow? Well, it's um, it's a bit of a fusion of our, our two kind of spheres. I think there's a lot more of um, protected culture in strawberries growing in greenhouses. And I think there's going to be more automation. People are growing outside of the soil in, again, semi-hydroponically. So that allows them to, allows the crop to be harvested by standing up. It allows for season extension and we now have straw or local Ontario strawberries year round. We're still a three season strawberry farm, but Ontario is a four-season strawberry farm now. So that's something that we're, we're watching very interestedly. By having those systems where you're working in a protected environment, automation is, is easier to accomplish. The electrification of our mechanical um, implements, I, I think that that's something that's just starting. With more solar, we, we have solar generation capability. Why don't we look at ways of harnessing that in the field? Um, and reducing our reliance on fossil fuels. And so I think part of that is you have to have the technology there. And I think that there are people making electric tractors, these new robots that are battery driven. So I think there's going to be a bit of a shift that way too, where we may not become as dependent on fossil fuels, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. It is. And, it, you know, we definitely, we hear buying local, 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 and certainly that's for all the great reasons that you said, you're connected to people in the community who are giving back to the community, um, but also the distance things are traveling. If we could have fresh berries for seasons and then also be local, then that is um, something that I think would be very desirable. So uh, we'll all watch that along with you and see uh, what uh, what comes next in terms of uh, humans and possibly four seasons, which would be delightful. Tom, in this show, we try to bring the humanities, so history, philosophy, creativity, to today's food dialogue. 
How do these approaches relate to berry farming, uh, what your family and team are trying to do at Humans? Well, I'm a liberal arts graduate. I went to school for international development with a rural and agricultural specialty and a minor in agricultural science. So I definitely value the humanities, and I think I I got that because of um, a how we've always worked with um, with government and um, technology extension agents, and and being a, a retail business, we're very close to the consumer. And I've I found in high school that we were quite good at growing crops in in Ontario, but there was a little bit of a disconnect when it came to the rural urban relationship uh, that that was kind of where I wanted to focus on in my education. Um, so you kind of look at it from this public goods perspective and uh, you have you have an obligation to participate the infrastructure. So that's a bit of history and uh, in terms of philosophy, <laughs> I don't know. I, we, we definitely appreciate um, the ideal of living in, in a rural setting and, and all that has to offer. And I think from the Aristotelian side, we we definitely take a scientific approach and and try and be precise um, with what we do and, and measured. So that's how those two things come together. And personally, I've really enjoyed learning about the history of the Ontario Fruit Growers Association with uh, William Saunders, who who was a great Canadian and uh, a great Londoner. There was large investment in agriculture and in fruits and vegetables. Because of necessity, we had um, self-sufficiency in, in meat and grains and protein, but we were lacking in some variety in the diet. So the government of the day made the conscious investment in education and also plant material. Uh, so again, we there wouldn't be a hemans if there weren't strawberries on that farm, and there weren't wouldn't be strawberries on that farm if there there wasn't a, a program to support them. And those are the same challenges that we have today. And again, it's when you're dealing with the environment, it's a collective problem. And so you have to have, in some cases, a collective solution or at least a collective effort. We have to work together to, to communicate and, and to be heard, let alone, uh, in some ways, it's just the right to continue farming. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And so that's why we try to bring the humanities to the dialogue, because there's a lot to think about in terms of our way of life, um, you know, talking about uh, in the progressive era, I mean, we did used to run out of food um, and it was, um, there were hard years and tough seasons and long winters and lots of things. So we want to try to remember what we're coming together with um, farmers and families and, and everyone in the system and reminding um, ourselves that we have a common purpose. We want everyone to reach their life's potential and food is certainly part of that. So I have only one more question for you, Tom, and that is, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, just take a hands-on approach. I think there's nothing more rewarding than planting a seed and watching it grow. Participate in your food system. Get to know the hand that feeds you and you can also do, you, you yourself are that hand that feeds and, and by growing something, you'll get to learn more about yourself and, and the environment and, and where you live. So it's a very rewarding uh, activity and profession. 
Take a hands-on approach. That's great, great final thought. Grading out there, growing something, seeing that you're part of nature and life is really, really wonderful advice. Take a hands-on approach. Thank you for that, Tom. Tom, I really enjoyed our conversation today and thank you very much to you, your family and the entire team, all the day makers out at Hemans for creating a wonderful experience at your farm and for a bright vision for our future. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. It was wonder, wonderful, wonderful to have you here today, Tom. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Tom Heeman, farmer and owner of Heeman's Berry Farm and All Season Market. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, how could you build community with a farmer? Something to do, visit heeman.ca to find out what's happening on the farm and what's featured in the market this season. Next week on the show, we return to the series Waste Not. We'll talk about ways to avoid and manage waste at home to make global impact. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.